Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things art-related. This is episode 116, wrapping up 2020, recorded on December 16th, 2020. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. Well, thank God we're wrapping up 2020. This has couldn't, been a year. <laughs> couldn't happen fast enough. Couldn't happen fast enough. And I have I have great hope for 2021. I think I was I was telling you earlier that I was looking through some art journal pages from the beginning of 2020 and I was reading about my journaling about the mundane boring things that we were doing and I suddenly thought, "Oh my gosh, how exciting to go to the museum, to take the baby to the store, to, you know, there was silly stuff like, "Oh, I have to wake the baby up from a nap because we're going to you know xyz and it's like i haven't had to wake the baby up from a nap for the last eight months because where the heck are we going nowhere i will just say things if i in a week if i go to the store or to the drugstore or anywhere like that it's like the bank I, an the, exciting place the to big, go right the big expedition well i was gonna say you know especially for you a person for whom going to the store has always been delightful a daily entertainment you're like a french person you like to shop at the boulangerie for your bread you like to go to the patisserie for your dessert there's you know the fishmonger the cheesemonger the this the that there's there's each, a million different stores to get each of the little things that you like well, there's that, and there's also the incidental little conversations that you have along the way. You may run into a friend, because mm. they do a lot of my shopping local, or maybe you've developed a relationship with some, you know, one of the salespeople. It just, it... You miss that, or I miss yeah. that. Well, no, I even miss that in terms of, like, artistic inspiration. Like, a lot of the things that I write about um, in my art journal or things that even, like, ideas that I get for making art are based on, let's face it, eavesdropping, one of my Olympic skills. You know, there are two things that I really think I could be an Olympi Olympic champion at. One of them is interrupting. I really feel like I have a chance of winning that gold in that, like, for many consecutive years. Um, and the second one is definitely eavesdropping. I'm very good at it. I enjoy it. There are entire meals in which I tell Steve, don't talk to me. I'm listening to the table next to us. Just look at me. And he does it, which is really <laughs> amazing. But not anymore. But what I was going to say is a lot of that eavesdropping, you know, that's where, oddly enough, I... I feel like I get ideas, like stories come out. I think a lot of the work that I do is sort of based on stories, even though you may not never see or realize what that story is looking at the finished piece of art. So I miss I miss that incidental contact just from a point of view of I feel kind of blah about a lot of the stuff I'm creating because I feel like all of my inspiration is coming from inside. I'm having to generate, I don't just mean inside my house, but like inside my brain and my body, like I'm having to generate the inspiration in a way that when you get out in the world you don't have to well do you feel that you've done a little more with nature this year than you have in the past because I definitely nature do. doesn't give you COVID it's true it's true but I mean I think like a lot of that is because like of the nature printing that I did with the hundred days of gelatin printing and you know what was interesting is I have been working on this year of gelatin printing class and I suddenly realized the other day that I was going to have to do it in the winter. And I had never nature printed in the winter. And I was like, there's no leaves. How do you nature print in the winter? 
So then I crept around our neighborhood. It was actually pouring the day that I finally decided to do it, which was fine because I had to creep into like our neighbor's lawns. <gasps> I know I'm a bad person and like steal their dandelion weeds. And like I was I was looking at every single little strip, you know, in the side in the sidewalk where you can like find weird weeds growing and just trying to figure out what I could get in the middle of like Allow me to a suggest. snowstorm. I should have gone to a florist and just gotten flowers that or had like real leaves. A grocery store. All That's kinds true. of vegetables, vegetables would have been great. and fruits. Well where were you had, on that rainy day? You didn't ask me. The point is that lesson's done. It's fabulous. And I managed to do it with, you know, the flotsam and jetsam that were out there in the winter. So I actually found that really inspirational because I always thought of nature as being inspiring in like the spring and the summer when things are sort of lush and full. But actually there's a lot of interesting texture and other stuff that's growing and living that you don't even think about even in these sort of like dark stripped, you know, bare branch kind of days. So that was kind of nice. Surprise. Surprise. There's stuff out there. It's just not necessarily green, but it's still nature. It's true. And actually, I think that's interesting to talk about, too, just from like a color palette point of view, which is I think a lot of times we get stuck into this idea like I'm, you know, Christmas is red and green. And actually, you were saying when I was piping some cookies the other day. I'm you bored were, with red I'm and green. Bored with Especially red and green. I'm bored with the primariness of the red and the, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I think if it was like pale or gray, a little gray mixed in or a little you know what i mean yeah i think we get very locked in a color story that things have to be a certain way rainbows have to go in what we consider quote unquote rainbow order why why can't you have like you know a neutrals series of rainbows why can't you have you know all sorts of uh out of order so to speak stuff i, I just think there's a lot of things where one of the things I feel like when you, okay, so I've had to go interior, which means I'm generating a lot of stuff, which means I've hit a lot of frustration. And one of the things I always tell my students, and I believe to be 100% true, is that you can't get any better until you hit frustration and you manage to push through it. If you stop when you hit that wall, you never really improve. And so the thing that I do feel has been really good about this time is that I have had to push through a wall so many times. And I do feel that in many ways, my work has taken some leaps because of it. And one of those things is color. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel like I have changed some of my color story in the last year. I used to be like hyper primary. Yes. And I feel like I definitely have gotten some more tints, uh, tints, tones, and shades into my work and working with some other colors. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's like you go your whole life thinking, oh, I can't wear orange. <laughs> And then, well, you've always said I can't wear orange, so. Well, then you discovered that there's orange and then there's orange. Right. And I also remember you saying to me once that as you age, the colors that you wear have oh, yeah. to change because you change, like your skin, your hair, like the whole thing. And one of the things that happens to women is they dye their hair the same color for 40 years. And the problem is, it starts looking fake because your skin, your eyebrows, like everything has changed. So it's almost like you have to calculate it with the changes that happen. And you were saying like you have trouble wearing white next to your face anymore and stuff like that. Right. It just sucks the life out of me. But actually, if I think about it, that sort of reminds... Okay, this is terrible. So I watched this show that I really like called Star Trek... Uh, Star, what is it called? Oh my God, Star Trek Discovery. And there's so many Star Treks, I get them mixed up. And on it, there's this character who mutters at some point. Uh, she says, don't confuse growth with weakness. 
because she makes an unexpected decision that somebody calls her weak for, right? And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how when you change, like, your signature color, your signature look, the way that you always do stuff, it's like people, especially now in this, like, Instagram era, sort of may accuse you of going off-brand or getting away from what people want you to do, but I think, like, that is part of growth, and to stay the same all the time, that kind of stagnation, I mean, A, how boring and sad, but also like just how frustrating and like in a box that must be. So I think always like when you you have to think of you, you are constantly evolving. So your artwork therefore has to evolve. So I know people are always looking for like their signature style. I get a lot of people who are saying, oh, Julie, you have this recognizable style. How do I do that? And I think like it isn't about saying like, oh, I always use pink, green, orange and I always do X, Y, Z. It's it's more about I feel like at least I am constantly true to sort of who I am, how I'm feeling. I don't try to make work that looks like other people. I'm awkward in some ways in the stuff that I do, and I'm okay with that. And I think it's like the more you just embrace who you are instead of trying to hide who you are, the more you get this kind of distinct style. So growth, 2020, I'm going to call it a year of growth. What do you think? I'm going to call it a year of goodbye. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say a year of growth could also be like 20 pounds on the scale of growth, but you know, growth in a lot of different directions <laughs> and ways. And certainly growth, I mean, my son has turned into a giant. So that's That's true. You a know, kind of it's interesting because the quarantine didn't actually start till let's say March. Mhm. March 15th. So there was actually Almost a quarter of the year when it was fairly normal, and yet when I think about it, I've forgotten all the things we did January, February, March that were normal because it's all so But isn't that that's always the thing they say about negative. how you leave people? Like, people remember how you leave them, not how you enter. I mean, yes, first impressions matter because people have an initial reaction to you, but it really is like the last 15 minutes of a conversation, the, you know, the yeah. end of the play, the that's last true. 20 minutes of the movie, or even the last five minutes of the movie. I mean, so I think, like, that's why we all remember 2020 as a dumpster fire, because it's the way, it's the end of it. Uh-huh. More than the beginning of it. So, and I, but I also think that that's kind of like, People fall in love with the potential of a work of art. Oh, I love this. I can't touch it. I don't want to, whatever. But it's like, it's it's where it ends up in the end that really matters. And I often find process things so interesting because, uh, again, it's like people are like, well, if you understood the process, then you'd understand how I got to the end and you'd be so impressed. And it's like, unless it's performance art, do you know what I mean? That kind of doesn't matter. I just need to know what the result is. Well... I would say this, it's, it's hard to not judge something by what you know about the end, because you sort of then start to see foreshadowing all the way through, mm-hmm. when in fact... If you knew you were going to break up, then you start to look back at your relationship and think, oh, well... He duh. was always a jerk. Yeah, I yeah. just didn't see it. Yeah. Whereas if you know, like, you're going to get married and live happily ever after, then it's kind of like, oh, but there were signs there. Even when we were having trouble, I felt that we would be fine. Yeah. Because we somehow want things to make sense. One of the things I used to love 
when uh, when I was a director, a theatrical director, is one of the things about the playwright Bertolt Brecht is he used to say all the time that people are hypocrites so his characters could be hypocrites. Because actors always want to find the logic. Well, why would I do that? I just said X, Y, Z. And the answer that he always had was, you're a hypocrite. People are hypocrites. Why can't characters or be hypocrites? Or not even hypocrites because that's such a negative way of looking at it. You know, I, just... Internal consistency is not necessarily operating all the time. Yeah. That's why you can have cognitive dissonance and you can you can be bad and good. You can be yes. you know something you, you can be a liberal about some things and not about others. You can have rules yeah. that apply to some sorts of people but not to others. You can say one thing and then turn around and do another. I think that people are complicated and you know never never ever ever can you say that people are like a hundred percent consistent i mean that's actually one of the things completely off topic but oh that's another olympic sport off topicness tangents uh which is i've always or hated off, off topicness or off topic tune <laughs> off topic tune uh a 10 from the slovakian judge um so what i was going to say is i think that i've always hated how politicians are called flip-floppers when they change their mind Right. Because I think that means that people can't ever have growth. You have to believe that people can't ever get new information and change their minds. And yet at the same time, we write letters to our politicians begging them to change their minds about things. That's why they say, write a letter, call your senator, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and what's the point of having any conversation or giving anybody anything to read or think about yeah. if they don't ever change their minds? If nothing, yes. That means that nothing that happens ever makes you reassess which is too bad which is just makes you a very sad and disappointing person i would say i think that so when i think about raising my son i think about there are a couple qualities that i think are really important curiosity is one of them right mm -hmm. and part of being curious is the idea that there is much to learn out there and that you are interested in learning it you know what i mean and that you believe that there's new information coming in and and i just I hope that that is always true for me too. I've often said that everything I create, all the art that I make, all the podcasts that we do, all the conversations that I have, like everything is driven by curiosity. And when I stop being curious about the world, then I will know that it's time to roll over and die. Good news is even in 2020, I'm still curious. So not ready to die yet. Good. Right? Gonna keep kicking into 2021. I'll support that. <laughs> So let's actually have a little formal bit of a conversation here and say, what is your biggest, grandest, most impressive, or just happiest thing that you have achieved in 2020? Well, I would say um, I have learned about myself that I'm okay being a hermit. <laughs> you know, I... I, had, I spent 24 years on the school committee, and then I retired. So that happened January 1st. And so that would have been a change anyway. And then I, because of the quarantine, I no longer could, like, freely go around, meet my friends, whatever, travel. And I f feel like... It's been okay hmm. that I'm waiting to see when the quarantine lifts if I 
go back mm -hmm. to any of my ways, you know, attending meetings and yes. Although like this, is, this is this is my imitation of you, lurk in the cave. Yeah, this is my imitation of you at Christmas time. I've been invited to four parties that I'm supposed to go to tonight, but I'm just going to stay home instead. That's your that's a pre-COVID imita imitation of you. Is that's that true, true or not? It's yes. true. Yeah, I, it must be the nature of the parties to which I'm invited. <laughs> I just, I like being home. Mm. Yeah. I mean, is there anyone more fascinating than me? <laughs> I don't think so. I get to spend all this so. time with me. How fabulous is that, right? right? Just soaking in the wisdom, just giving yourself advice endlessly in a loop. Must be very fun. Uh, okay, so my biggest achievement of 2020. Did I ask? No, but I'm answering. Uh, it, oh, that's another Olympic skill of mine. You guys, I'm going to the Olympics because I have a lot of Olympic skills. Are you ready for it? Dun, dun, dun. Turning any conversation into being about me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my biggest achievement is one, keeping my child alive. I feel like that's an accomplishment. So far. So far. So far. It's not One the end year. of the year. It's yeah. true. Uh, but no, so far he's alive and healthy. Uh, number two, maintaining, I think, a... I, Steve and I have actually had a great time in quarantine and been totally happy with each other. And discovered that. And discovered that we actually love each other and are totally happy and that, you know... It's a great It's discovery. a great relationship. So it has been very relieving because when I started to hear about everybody's relationships falling apart, I was like, hmm, am I angry at Steve? And I was like, no, I'm very happy. Great. So Lucky, right? where other people go to Ikea and get divorced by the time they get out the door. We apparently can build everything in Ikea <laughs> without an Allen wrench there and still go. be fine. Uh, and I would say, I mean, from an art perspective and from a sort of business perspective, I'm actually incredibly pleased with how I feel like I pivoted to teaching um, classes through Zoom. That was a big pivot in my business. I think that's enormous. And I, what I would say is that some of the organizations that I am associated with, they're primarily nonprofits, have been very nimble. And I've been impressed by this at revamping their services. So they're still serving their clients and their mission but often in a completely different way. And I have to say, I've seen you do this in your business and grow your business in different directions. And you are an endless fount of ideas. So I assume you have a list somewhere of ideas for classes. Bullet journal! For all kinds of things. And that... Um, Running out of ideas is never your issue. No, running out of time is my number one. Time is my nemesis. Ideas, never my nemesis. Time, I hate you. Well, you know, there was a period of time and you didn't have a child, and yet you were always saying, I've got to finish this online class. I've got to get this up. I've got to do that. And for a long time, you didn't. There was a fallow period for online classes because you were teaching in person you were traveling like oh my god traveling was killing me for hsn and various things and what's happened is because of the enforced staying home and you were having to scrape around for income you discovered that you actually like teaching online that it can be done that Zoom oh, yeah. has made it possible, and not only Zoom has made it possible, but the quarantine has made other potential students 
learn Zoom, where before they might have been reluctant to do so. I mean, the age range of your uh, students is quite wide, and a lot of them were, like me, are old enough that they remember when they didn't go to school by technology, they didn't have a cell phone in their purses. Well, excuse me, I'm not that old, and I remember not having a cell phone. Yeah, but when I went to college, no one had a computer. Yeah, but when I wrote my college applications, I used a typewriter. Oh. Oh, there you go. I'm old, too. I'm old, too! I wrote it on a slate with chalk. (laughs) I took a dinosaur, and we wrote it out with our feet. Uh, so, So what I would say is it's forced the entire culture here, the entire society, to become more technological, which has then aided them in being comfortable taking classes online so that's been an enormous help to you it has and and you know one of the things as much as we've been you know poo-pooing 2020 here i want to say like 2020 as the year of the pivot actually is an amazing thing if you think about how flexible people have had to be how much businesses have had to be flexible but people personally have had to be flexible how much people have been uh had to learn you know and be accommodating it i i actually am going to now extrapolate this out to art because everything in my life relates to art which is to say that if you often when we talk about like limiting supplies as a way of being more creative is that not some of what 2020 is, is it's limiting what you can do and forcing you to be more creative, you know? The same idea of me, like when you were talking about how I have had to stay home and not travel, and at first I thought that was a bad thing, and it has actually now turned into a good thing, like that actually is again the limiting to the supplies, the running out of paint and having to come up with another option. It's all those things. And I think I kind of like that idea of the pivot as an art tool is important. And I think, okay, so one of the things I taught in boot camp this year, or I, I, that I always teach, in fact, is just the idea of like not getting attached to a particular outcome or figuring out that there are, in fact, multiple ways to get mm-hmm. to a particular outcome and not getting attached to like the fact that there's one road, one path, and if you mess up one step, everything's gone. And I think like, again, that is what a pivot is. You have to learn to pivot in art. You have to learn to pivot, you know, when you're making things and creating. You just, pivoting feels to me like a life skill and it has been uh, forced upon all of us in 2020 to pivot. And also I will say to have the privilege to pivot because not everybody has the type of job, the type of business, the type of anything in which they can be nimble about that. But I will also say that um, I give myself some credit, some of it's luck, but some of it is also stuff like I was able to pivot because I already had years of experience of doing video and I had the equipment in my house because I had already been live streaming and experimenting with broadcasting live and I already had the uh, experience of having taught myself HTML so that I could do some of those things. I already had the experience, you know what I mean, of having taught myself Illustrator and Photoshop in order to be able to do like the marketing and materials and other stuff. So it isn't like all luck. Some of it is that you've put in the work and laid the foundation, you know what I mean, before the event occurs. As as Viola Spolin has always said, you know, improvisation is the moment when planning and opportunity meet. Right. And I think that's really important to acknowledge that that, 
you have to build your skills. And I, I, uh, I know I said this in the bootcamp podcast and I'll say it again. You have to do the work to get the results, whether it's you want to be able to draw, you can't just wish that into being. You have to practice. And I'm seeing it, by the way, in the Carve December posts that are coming up and then the Carve December class. The people who are carving every day, I have a friend um, named Sherry, and she has blown me away from basically never having carved a stamp to making amazing hand carved stamps. And I'm, you know, watching her progress on Instagram, and it truly is the discipline of doing the work. A lot of times people say, oh, I wish I could be as talented as you, and I always say I'm not talented, but I have put in the practice, and I have done the work, and you can too, you know. I, I'm not sure I totally subscribe to that 10,000 hours, but I... Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. yeah. But I do believe that there is, I don't, because I don't think 10,000 is a magic number, uh-huh, uh-huh. but I do believe that there's something to practice. I actually, I listened to an interview with, um, is it Adam Rippon, the figure skater? Okay. I yeah. think that's his name. Olympic figure skater. So he was an old Olympian at the ripe old age of 27. But he said his teammates, you know, were 18 and 19. And he said the reason he was so old is because he started late. He started at like, 10 or something like that and he said the thing about figure skating is you just have to get in a certain number of hours there is something just about a number of hours to get certain things into your body and i was thinking about that about the fact that like i think there are a lot of disciplines like that where it's just you have to put in the hours and the time so that your body just understands how to do stuff and people don't think of art necessarily as like a deeply physical thing but I think about gestural painting and I think about how much after a a long session of jelly printing, my back, my hands, like everything aches. Do you know what I mean? Like it is physical and there is something about once you have the motion down or kneading clay or any of those things, even knitting people who can do it real fast while they're talking and doing other stuff, it's because they just have that stuff in their body. They've done the work. Yeah. So... I'm not 10 anymore. <laughs> so you're not going to be a figure skater? Is that what you're saying? So now I, it winnows the list down a bit. To you you can still be you a can... knitter. Knitting? Yeah, but I'll never be a, as good. As someone who started 20 million years ago. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that gets to another thing about Just 2020. Just want to ask, if yeah. I start knitting and I knit a really strange garment i will wear it proudly you're welcome i knew before you even said it um (laughs) what i was going to say is 2020 has also been the year of comparison oh because you get nothing better to do than go online and see where you don't stack up yeah and so that whole idea about i'll never be as good as or my life isn't as good as or look at these people are so happy doing this and i'm so miserable doing that or this person has plenty of money and i have none and that there's several things to keep in there which a comparison is a thief of joy stop it And B, the other thing is everybody's life is fake, 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 fake. You know, uh, I listened to an interview with Seth Godin, who's a marketing guru and an author of like 11 billion books. And in his most recent book, which I bought called The Creative Practice, uh, or maybe it's just called The Practice. um, One of the things he says is like uh, being authentic is basically BS. Like, you don't want people to be authentic. The only people who are authentic are toddlers. That's like the most authentic that a person is. This is the feeling that I'm feeling right now authentically. After that, basically, we're all faking it all the time. 
And, you know, you don't go to a concert and be like, no, give me your authentic self. You're like, no, give me the best concert that I've ever been here. I don't care if you're in pain and you're unhappy and you had a fight with your wife. Like, I want the authentic, you know, no, I want a good concert. And I thought this was such an interesting idea because I feel like 2020 has been a weird combination of sort of real confessions from people where they've been like really honest about I'm hurting, I'm in pain or and and totally fake lives in which people are like, my life is perfectly curated and check out how beautiful this is and how perfect that is. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it. I think it's whatever makes you happy. But I think there is a wrong way of ingesting or digesting those images and to think that that is the 100% reality for anybody, I think is probably wrong. I think it is a version of what people are willing to tell you. What do you think? Yes, and that gets to being too focused on a few people and thinking that if you were only them, if you only had their life, if you yeah. only, you know, looked like them or had the job they have or whatever, that that would solve all your problems. And and you can't do that. No. I, I will say this. Even toddlers, you said that's a toddler mm-hmm. version. Even toddlers fake it. Your, <laughs> your son falls down. And some, he looks at me to see if he should cry or not. And then when he decides he should cry, but he hasn't really hurt himself, he gets very dramatic. He has this position that we call the despair position, where he sits on the ground, bends forward. I mean, this is a one-year-old. Puts mm-hmm. his head on the ground and just looks like he just lost his best friend. Yes. It's totally fake. Yes. Well, I mean, I think he is despairing, but I think he's also demonstrating his level of despair just so that I, so that I want you to be clear that I am unhappy. Right. Yes. Now, maybe you'll say, oh, it's an authentic performance. But all I'm saying (laughs) is the minute you become aware of other people, you become capable of trying to manipulate their reactions yeah Yeah. and i i mean i think this whole thing is just to say listen everybody's life is messy and crappy and as much as i'm proud that my business has pivoted there's a hundred things in my business that are are a mess things that i missed opportunities that i should have taken but i couldn't or i didn't or i messed it up or i you know did it wrong or whatever else there are you know uh moments when i've wanted to throw steve out the window you know And there are moments when I wanted, you know, to do nothing more than to, you know, take the baby and say, bye-bye, bye-bye, you know. But it's like, you. but that the truth of the matter and the fact of the matter is overall, like, I'm happy and I feel lucky. And so those are the things that I focus on. I don't, you know, I once read this thing where his mother was saying, um, somebody was saying, how come your kids are so perfect? And she said, my kids aren't perfect, but I don't share the bad stuff on the internet because why would I shame them like that, right? I share the good stuff. And I think that's true for so many people. Everybody has strife and trouble and depression and ups and downs and all that kind of stuff in their life. What they choose to share with you is positive. And to be completely frank, which I hope I always am, even though I'm Julie, I like to be frank, um, is that I think I don't want to follow people who are depressed a lot yeah i don't want to read about that like i like to read people's happy stories and their positive things that makes me feel happy Mm -hmm. but i know there are people for whom that's really hard and it makes them feel bad 
unfollow people that you don't like. Stop listening to things that make you unhappy. You know, it's okay. Like self-care is key. And that's a pivot too sometimes for people. Because maybe you felt like you were, you know, a superhero before this year started and now you're just kind of run down. And you know what? It's okay not to be the same person at the end of 2020 that you were at the beginning. And to know that you can go back at some point later, you know what I mean, to feeling the way that you used to. This is like survival mode. Well, also, lives have up and down, ups and downs. Oh, yeah. It, to expect that it's always the same every day. You're going to feel the same. You're going to look the same. You know, that's crazy. That's a cartoon character. Yeah. Those are the only people who do that. I mean, so, and I think that's true, too, of, like, uh, I was thinking a lot about the evolution of Carve December over the many years because that's what I've been doing right now. And I've been looking at the stamps I made this year as opposed to the last year as opposed to the year before, like... And I think, you know, the amount of time that I've had to dedicate it to it has evolved. The skills that I have have evolved. My interests in the way that I use stamps have evolved. Like everything, you know, changes. And trying to be who I was four years ago is is just as hard, if not, you know, more impossible, you know, than than trying to break new ground and, you know, whatever else. You, you sort of have to be in the moment, I guess, is the best way that I'm putting it. And sort of, like, accept where you are right now and what's interesting to you right now, you know? What's interesting to you right now in 2020? Oh, what's your pick? What's your tip? What's your thing that you want to tell everybody about? Your oh, recommendation. I wasn't ready for this moment. I have to Sorry. look it up. You give yours first. <laughs> give yours first while okay. I look it up. My recommendation is actually a video that Steve sent both of us today because I watched it and it was the cutest thing ever. It's about a six-year-old who is a ballroom dancer. She is super fierce. And if you just want to smile today and then I immediately wanted to prance around with a fierce look on my face, swishing my arms in the air, it's a really cute little video. So I will post a link in the show notes. It's one of those things that made me happy and then why do you have your thing or do you need another minute okay okay so then I was gonna say the other thing about wrapping up 2020 that I want to talk about is um I was thinking about what is something that I did in 2020 that I would recommend to anybody out there would be a good idea to do for you if you're interested something that that has sort of stayed with me uh And I'm not even going to put you on the spot, Mom, and make you do that because I know you're already trying to find a recommendation. But what I would say is the best thing I did for myself, it's actually kind of a pivot, is my studio was arranged in a particular way and I thought it had to be that way. And one day I was just like, no. And I moved everything. I just changed where everything was, which involved a lot of like crawling on the ground and moving heavy furniture and dragging stuff around and thinking this isn't psychotic. Why am I moving all this stuff everywhere? But it has made a huge difference in my workflow. So whether it's your art space that you need to rearrange or your living room or your bedroom or something, I'm telling you that there's something in your life, something in your house maybe, but something in your life that you have thought had to be a certain way. And I'm telling you that you can rearrange it and it will make everything feel a little bit better. So that is that is my biggest 2020 tip. Rearrange something. It'll make you feel good. Okay. Mine, um, so once a year, uh, Harvard does a thing called Saturday of Symposia for alumni. And they usually have, you choose one of two talks in the morning. And then in the afternoon, there's a keynote 
talk and it's always a professor different professors and it's like your opportunity to have a little intellectual content on a topic that you might not normally address so because of the quarantine they did it online where normally you have to pay for it and show up in person so I went to the afternoon keynote address which was a professor who get, actually gave you a long historical view of these divisions in our country that it wasn't it's not something that has just shown up you know in the last five years or ten years that there's a long history of America being divided on various issues um, Civil War is an obvious example, but <laughs> even back to, you know, before there even was a country. And what's interesting is she used maps and posters and uh, things like that to show you how people presented it and how they thought about it. And I found this a very interesting and in some ways reassuring speech because I understood that this is not just something anomalous and ominous, that we've managed to have this country pull together, stay together, despite the fact that this sort of thing keeps coming up. And uh, so I'm going to recommend this. Uh, anybody can go to it. It's on YouTube. The other two morning lectures are also there. I think one of them was from a scientist who talked about is you know are there aliens from outer space invading our bodies and that's why we all got covid no oh. <laughs> but there's your film treatment um so i just thought people somebody might find this interesting i i do feel that uh in quarantine there is this i do have this need to really have the kinds of discussions or hear the kinds of talks that you might get from meeting someone interesting that you didn't know at a dinner party or on a train, you know what I mean? You'd I'm going to try not to be insulted by the fact that the people you see are me, Steve, and the baby, and you're missing intellectual <laughs> content and conversation during this quarantine. I'm just going to skip over that one. Another Olympic champion big thing that you. I can do is mighty, I can just skip mighty over insults. Big of you. <laughs> okay, so if you need some intellectual content, then you can visit the link, which I'll put in the show notes uh, for mom's recommendation. If you just want a fierce six-year-old ballroom dancing and sashaying her way then uh, you can watch that video too so whichever way you want it okay so looking forward into 2021 when we will have self-driving space cars and robot maids what else the Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you hoping for uh in 2021 i would just like to not have to think about before i go out the door do i have my mask have i got my hand sanitizer in the car Am I, you know, all prepared so I can dash in and out of the bank, the food store, in in the least amount of time? I, I just would like to not have to think about things so much to do a little less planning. To be more spontaneous. 
Oh, God, I haven't been spontaneous in a long time. Yes, I agree. Well, this podcast was kind of spontaneous. You were like, what's the topic? And I was like, anything I want. I'm turning on the mic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my wish for 2021, thank you for asking, is uh, that my child could touch another child. Oh, God, that is so sad. Well, I'm sorry. He but goes like, it's, to the playground. Yes, it's he heartbreaking. Looks yearningly at He reaches child. for other kids. He makes noises at them. He tries to, you know, and like their parents don't want them anywhere near him either. And it's really horrible. And I just feel like I want him to touch another child and like play with another child and make noises at another child and not have it be like you know, a summit of 400 masked parents holding back these little tiny babies. Also, I want him to understand that he always seems to go for kids who are his size and he's giant, which means that he's trying to go near like five-year-olds. And that's also, I would like him to meet some babies his age. He's got to learn how to figure all these things out. Yes. Anyway, that's my wish for 2021. As far as my um, art wish for 2021 um it's that uh i would like to find something new in 2021 i think that i found some new stuff like nature printing for me i had dabbled in before but i really really hit it during the year of gelatin printing and i fell in love and i think it's something that i will hold into my practice for a long long time um but i think in 2021 i want to have that same shock of newness it doesn't have to be like a huge thing but whether it's uh, a new skill a new product a new something i'm just i want to know what's going to be new in 2021 and i'm kind of looking forward to discovering it That's we'll it. have to read your blog to find there out you go. there you go okay so that i think is just about wraps things up for us so uh if you enjoy the podcast i hope that you will tell your friends about it you can also leave a review on apple podcasts um that also helps people find the show uh as always you can find me on all social media as at balzer designs and we'd always love to hear from you so please send us an email or leave us a comment and uh i think that's it so thanks so much for listening and subscribing we'll see you the next time on the adventures in arting podcast <laughs>